0: Well, haven't we had a good time in this series so far? Have you been having fun? Come on. Now, here's what I noticed. I noticed y'all got up and you shook somebody's hand and then you went right back to the same seat you were in. I'm telling you what, isn't that amazing how we are such creatures of habit, aren't we? And we just sit in the same spot every single time and that's okay because it is comfortable. But we have been having a great time in this series as we've been talking about our friends and we've been learning that as we get this area of our life right, so many other areas begin to fall in place in our life. How many of you would raise your hand this morning and say, I've learned something in this series that has helped me, all right? The rest of you, I'll talk to you after church, all right? you <laughs> We've been learning about friends, we've been learning about relationships, and we've had kind of a key thought that has been driving us through this series today. One more time, I want us to all say it aloud together. It's on your LifeGate app, it's in your notes, it's on the screens there this morning. Everybody say it with me today. One, two, three, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And man, we have learned that so much in this series, that your friends are a picture of your future. The quality and the direction of your life is going to be so much dependent upon the people that you hang around with. In fact, we've had one kind of key verse that's just been helping to drive us through this series. It's found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13 and 20, and it says, walk with the wise and you will become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. And we have learned in this series that if you hang around with good people, do you hang around with wise? people, you're going to become like them. If you hang around with people who are making wise decisions in their family or in their finances, in their spiritual life, in their business life, in whatever area of their life, if you hang around good and wise people, you're going to become like them. But we've also found that the opposite is true, isn't it? If you're hanging around with fools, if you're hanging around with foolish people, if you're hanging around with people who are making stupid decisions and doing dumb stuff, then chances are you're going to begin to do stupid things, begin to make dumb decisions, and so many times we don't get in trouble by ourselves. Isn't that true? In fact, I was thinking about this this past week. I was remembering when I was just a little boy, I was about 8 years old, and I remember one of my best friends was a couple of years older than me and uh, I just thought he hung the moon. I thought this was the greatest guy ever. And he kind of came from a family where he had several older brothers who were always into trouble. And as an eight-year-old boy, I didn't notice it. But now that I look back, man, I see that this boy, even though I thought he was so cool and had it all together and I wanted to be just like him, what I realized is that he was kind of bad news, right? Anybody ever had any friends like that before? In fact, I was thinking about it this week. I mean, this this uh, friend was probably the first place I ever heard cuss words. He taught me my first Cuss words. This was the guy who I, I think was the first person who ever taught me anything about sex when I was eight years old. I remember he had kind of a he had kind of a, a rebellious and kind of a destructive kind of a, a personality to him. He liked to tear stuff up, and little boys like to do that. But when you're an eight, eight year old little, little boy, that's probably not a good thing to be doing that. I remember he even taught me how to take uh, how to take uh, toilet paper and put water on it and wad, wad it up and throw it up on the ceiling and Anybody ever done anything like that before? And I'm making a confession today. I did that when I was like eight years old at the church, and my dad saw it, and he was really mad, and he didn't know that it was me, and I still haven't told him. I'm just saying... (laughs) And I'm telling you we, we, I look back at it now and I think, where would my life be if I still would have been friends with that with that uh, little boy at when I was eight years old, when I was nine years old, we moved away from that town, and I truly believe that God was protecting me and taking me away from a bad influence that might have ended up in my own harm A companion of fools suffers harm and many of you maybe you look into your life and you look into to your relationships and maybe you've had some friends like that that were leading you down a destructive pathway and if it wasn't for the grace and the hand of God removing those relationships from your life, who knows where you would be. Others of you though, you look at your life right now and you know that there are some friendships, there are some relationships, there are some people in your life who are leading you down a destructive path. And that's why this morning we're going to talk about unfriending. Everybody say unfriending. <laughs> Now let's do a little survey here this morning. How many of you have ever had somebody on Facebook who maybe posts too much, who maybe goes on too many rants, who maybe posts a little too much about the color of a dress—I don't know—who I mean just starts to get on your nerves? And you've just be honest, all right? You're in church, so you got to be honest. And you've actually gone on there before and found them and clicked that little unfriend button. Come on, just be honest here today, all right? All right, we got got. got to be honest. And and the truth is, isn't it funny how we think that we can just kind of click a button and suddenly we just kind of unfriend somebody. And that's kind of, you know, the social media world has really kind of redefined the way we look at friends and the way we look at Relationships, And this morning, I don't believe as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we are called to unfriend people. I really don't. But I do believe that as a follower of Christ, there comes a time in our lives that there are times when we need to redefine some relationships. There are some relationships sometimes in our life that might lead us astray, that might lead us down a destructive path. And I don't believe we're ever called to just unfriend people, but I do believe that there are times in our lives as followers of Christ that we have to take a good hard look at our relationships, at the people that we're hanging around with, the people that we're spending time with. And there comes times in our life when we need to redefine some relationships. In fact, today I want you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter twelve and verse number twenty six. I want us to see this this really key verse for this for this message this morning. In verse twenty six, look what it says. It says, "The righteous choose their friends. What? Everybody say it. Carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." Check this out. The Bible says that if we're righteous, if we're going to be right in the way that we follow God, the Bible says that we will be careful in our friendships, that we will choose our friendships carefully. Because deep down in our hearts, we know this important truth that the way of the wicked leads us astray. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down just this key thought. It goes like this. It's impossible to lead the right life when you have the wrong friends so many of you are here today, and with all your heart, you want to lead the right life. You want to follow Christ. You want to serve Him. You want Him to be the number one priority of your life. You want to put seek Him first in all that you do. But the truth is, you've got some wrong friends in your life. You've got some friends that are leading you down a pathway that is leading you away from the relationship that you desire to have and that God desires to have with you. And the truth is today, it is impossible to lead the right life if you have the wrong friends. You see, the righteous are careful. They choose their friends carefully because they know that the path of the wicked will lead them astray. In fact, this is what Paul is talking about in First Corinthians chapter 15. Look what he says. He says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, notice this. Look what he says. He says, do not be misled. Now, why do you think that Paul was saying don't be misled? I think maybe it's because it's easy to be misled in this area of our lives, and the truth is some of you maybe even are here this morning and maybe you're being a little bit misled. Even right now, even as I'm talking to you about your relationships and about your friends, your friends are coming to mind. Friends that you know are not a good influence. Friends that you know are not leading you closer to God but are leading you further away from God. And their, and their name comes to your mind. Their image comes to your mind right now. But even right now in your mind, you're rationalizing. You're saying, well, but they're not that bad, right? Right? I mean, and they, they, they've got a good heart, and they go to church every now and then, and they quote a Bible verse every once in a while, and I know, sure, they're making some bad decisions and doing some stupid stuff, but it's not going to affect me. It might affect somebody else, but it wouldn't affect me because I'm strong enough, and I can handle it, and I'll never be led away by those kinds of friends. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, don't be misled. Don't fall for that. Just like other people would fall for that. It will affect you. Bad company corrupts good morals every single time. Don't be misled. So it seems pretty black and white, doesn't it? Like, I shouldn't hang out with bad people. Bad company corrupts good morals. The path of the wicked leads us astray. A companion of fools suffers harm. And it just seems like, I mean, that could just be the end of the sermon. Let's just say amen. Let's just go on home today because that's it. I mean, just quit hanging around bad people and you'll be all right. And it seems kind of black and white, doesn't it? But it's not very black and white, actually, when you think about it. Actually, there's kind of a tension that is kind of going on here because the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals, but it also says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So how does all that work together? The Bible says that I shouldn't hang out with fools because the companion of fools suffers harm. But the Bible also says that I'm supposed to be a light to shine into the darkness. I mean, I don't understand how does that work? The Bible says that hey, that the path of the wicked leads to leads the the path that leads the righteous astray. But it also says that I'm supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And how does all of that work together? How am I supposed to not be a friend of sinners and be a friend of sinners at the same time how am i supposed to keep myself from being corrupted but also be a light into a dark and corrupt world and there's a tension that kind of is going on there you understand what i'm saying and how does all this work am i supposed to be a friend of sinners or am i not supposed to be a friend of sinners and what am i supposed to do and the answer is both now i that clear it all up for you He's got it right now. All right, I'm ready to go. I got it. How in the world do I do that? And the truth is is really that we should never allow anyone to lead us away from relationship with Christ. But at the same time, we can never allow our hearts to go grow cold towards those who don't have relationship with Christ. So, how do we do that? Well, let's just get real practical here this morning. I just want to help you out a little bit today. As a follower of Christ, here's here's what you need. The inner circle of your core of friends ought to be committed followers of Christ. If you're truly going to follow Christ with all of your heart, you need a committed core. You need people surrounding you who will lift you up and build you up. People surrounding you who live like you want to live. Who believe the way that you believe. Those who will strengthen you and help you. You need a committed core. In fact, remember the first week of the series we said you will become like the average of your five closest friends, right? And the truth is you're going to become the average of the five closest friends that you have around you. And if you have good good, strong, committed followers of Christ, those who have said I'm devoted to follow him with all of my heart and my life, if you surround yourself with those types of people, the Bible says if you walk with those kind of people, that's the kind of person that you will become but guess what if you if you surround yourself with people who are just kind of every other weekend christians or those who are just kind of doing their thing and then kind of just you know give god a high five every now and then and pretend like that's okay if you surround yourself with fools and people who are doing stupid stuff on the weekend if you surround yourself with people like that then it will affect your walk with Christ. So you need to have a good core of committed followers of Christ that you surround yourself with. And here's what happens when you surround yourself with these people. Your roots can go deeper so that your reach can go wider. Come on, somebody should have said amen there because that, I mean, that was preaching pretty good. And here's the deal. We want to surround ourselves with people who help us to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ so that our roots can go deeper and when our roots go deeper then our reach can grow broader but so many of us we surround ourselves with people who are not deepening our roots in the things of the Lord and we think well I'll reach them I'll bring them to church I'll invite them to church I'll tell them about the Lord and all that kind of stuff but because we don't have deep roots we're not strong enough to handle those kinds of relationships so we must surround ourselves with the core of committed followers of Christ. In fact, you just look at Jesus and look at the example of his life. The Bible says he was a friend of sinners, right? And yet we see that even though Jesus loved everyone the same, he didn't treat everyone the same right? I mean, he had hundreds, thousands of followers, but out of that thousands of followers, what did he do? He called to himself a committed core, a dozen that we know as the disciples that he surrounded himself with on a daily basis. And even out of that dozen disciples that were around him, he even out of that, he chose three that were a part of his inner core that he brought close to him. him. And even out of that, the Bible says that there was one that he loved, right? And And then even out of that, there were times when he would even leave them and he would go to be alone with the Father. And even though Jesus loved everyone the same, he didn't treat everyone the same, right? In fact, think about the Pharisees. He loved, obviously he loved the Pharisees, he's Jesus, he has to love them, right? He's God, he loves everyone, And yet even though he loved the Pharisees, he didn't truly trust the Pharisees and he knew that those Pharisees wouldn't be a good relationship for him. And so what did he do? He kept the Pharisees at an arm's length. And the truth is, this morning, is that we're called to love everybody the same. We don't always treat everybody exactly the same. We must have a committed core of people around us who will help us to grow in our walk with God spiritually so that our roots can grow deeper, and as our roots grow deeper, then our reach can grow broader. So I know what you're saying this morning. You're sitting there going, all right, Pastor, I got it. Like, I mean, if all my friends are meth addicts and they're robbing banks, then probably I need to get some new friends. And that is true, right? Right? But the chances are this morning that your friends are probably not murderers and they're probably not drug addicts. But the truth is some of us have some friends who still are leading us away from all that God has for us today. Maybe you have some friends that are here today or that you're here today and you have some friends that maybe they just have a bad attitude or maybe they're critical or maybe they gossip or maybe they're always complaining about stuff or maybe they're leading you away from some good godly values and maybe you need to redefine some friendships today so this is what we're going to do we're just going to look at three things today about friendships three things that we are never going to allow our friends to do so if you're taking notes write this down this morning number one i will never let my friends distract me from god's plan here's what we're going to do we're never going to have friends and allow friends to distract us from the plan of God for our lives. In fact, it reminds me of Peter. You may remember the story of Peter and Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And Jesus telling the disciples that, hey, it's about to come time when God's plan is about to begin to take place in my life. And I'm going to have to go. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be put up on a cross. I'm actually going to die. And Peter looks at Jesus. And even with really good... Intentions. He looks at him and he says, No, 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 no. You're not going to do that. We don't want you to die. You got to stay here because you got to become king and you got to rule and we're going to rule with you. We got plans for you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him in Matthew 16 and verse 23? Look what he says. He says, Get behind me, Satan. Now look at this. He calls him Satan. I'm just telling you this morning, that's probably not a good thing to say to your mother-in-law when she's trying to lead you away. Get behind me, Satan. She might get behind you with a knife in your back. I don't know. But what does he do? He calls, him, he calls him Satan. And look what he says. He says, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Check this out. Peter, even Jesus' friend, even with good intentions, is trying to lead Jesus away from God's ultimate plan for him. And it's a good thing. He was like, I don't want you to die. But what is what does Jesus say? Jesus says, No, 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 no. You got to get out of my way because I'm not gonna allow any friends, even friends that love me, to keep me from God's ultimate plan for my life. He says, You're a stumbling block. You're getting in the way of God's plan for me. I want you to move on out of the way because you don't don't have the concerns of God in mind. Instead, you have your own concerns in mind. And Jesus has to redefine a friendship here. He says, Peter, this is not a good friendship for me to have right now because it's keeping me. It's trying to get in the way of God's plan for my life. And some of you have some friends that may even be good friends. And maybe they're even well-intentioned friends, but they're standing in your way from all that God has planned for your life. They're distracting you. They're keeping you from God's perfect purpose and plan for your life. And some of you maybe even need to begin to redefine some of those friendships. Maybe you got that friend that's saying, hey, you don't have to go to church every weekend, do you? I mean, come on. You went last week. Why do you think you got to go again this week? Why don't you come watch the game with me? Or really? Are you going to go to life group again this week? You went to life group last week. Man, you just, all those people in your life group, you're abandoning me, and you're going to life group every single Wednesday night, and do you really need to do that? And they are distracting you. Others of them, maybe they hear about the Tide Challenge, and they go, the Tide Challenge? Are you crazy? You're giving 10 percent of your income to that church or maybe it's not that maybe it's even just maybe it's just kind of a materialistic type of a lifestyle and every time you get around them it's all about their car or it's all about their house or the clothes that they wear or the vacations are going on and you get around them and you start finding yourself having that same kind of attitude as they have and they're distracting you from God's plan maybe some of you even this morning maybe you're called into ministry and God has spoken to your heart and he says I got a ministry for you to do but the friends around you are saying, why in the world would you want to do ministry? I mean, maybe you've even got family members who are saying, why would you want to pursue that? There ain't no money in ministry. Why don't you go out, get you a good job where you can make good money? Or why would you want to pursue a life of godliness or a life of following Christ? And there are friends that are standing in your way, even well-intentioned friends, even friends that you may love and may love you. But we must never allow our friends to keep us from pursuing God's perfect plan for our lives I remember when we first felt God's call to come to Burleson and plant a church we had friends ministry friends pastor friends who said why would you do that Why would you want to leave a good church where you're at, where you've got a good amount of people and a nice building and a good salary? You're 29 years old and you already got a great ministry. Why would you want to leave all that to start all over? But I'm here to tell you today, I'm so glad I didn't listen to those friends, even well-intentioned friends who tried tried to distract me from God's ultimate plan for my life. See, it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. So we must never let our friends distract us from God's plan. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. I will never let my friends continually tempt me to sin. We're not going to allow friendships, relationships to tempt us into sin. In fact, if a friendship is leading me into a sinful lifestyle, then I have to redefine that friendship. It reminds me of the story of Joseph. I, I love the story of Joseph. In fact, beginning next week, we're going to start talking about his life. It's it's, in power, it's powerful. One of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. And you may remember the story of Joseph. He's beaten up by his brothers. He's thrown into a pit. He's sold into a slave uh, sold, sold into slavery. Then he gets he gets brought into Potiphar's house, and he's a servant in Potiphar's house. But God's favor is on him, and he begins to kind of kind of climb the ladder until he becomes like the head servant in charge of all of Potiphar's house. And the Bible says that, that Joseph was well-built and handsome, kind of like your pastor, amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, sort of. <laughs> and jo- the Bible says Joseph is, Joseph is in the house of Potiphar and Potiphar's wife takes no- notice of him and, and she's like, hey, hey, he's pretty good looking, you know. Come on, Joseph, you big stud, take me to bed or lose me forever, you know. <laughs> That's not really exactly what it says, but. <laughs> and what does Joseph do? Joseph, Joseph. I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, well, you know what? She's kind of cute too, you know? I think. Well, I mean, I won't go all the way. I'll just kind of hang out here. You know, maybe I'll just, you know, a little missionary dating here, you know. Maybe I'll flirt to convert, you know. And I mean, maybe she just needs somebody to pray for her. I'll just hang out here and pray for her. We'll just pray. And, and what? No, no. What does he do? The Bible says, Joseph, ran! He got out of Dodge. He didn't, he didn't pass go. He didn't collect $200. He ran for his life. Joseph had made the decision, I will not allow anyone to tempt me to sin. In fact, in Genesis 39, 12, it says he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I'm telling you here today, some of you have some friends that are continually tempting you, that are continually bringing you into, into situations where you are tempted to sin, where you are tempted to do things that you know in your heart and you know in your life are not right, but you continue to hang around with these friends. And, and I'm telling you, if they're tempting you to sin or to not be right with God or to do things that you, are not, that you know in your heart are not right with God, they are not really true friends. And you need to redefine the relationship. Some of you got friends that every time you get around them, they're gossiping. And they just draw you into the gossip. Maybe you need to decide, man, I can't really hang out with these friends anymore. Some of you ladies, you got some friends at work that every time you get around with them, they're just bad-mouthing, bad-mouthing men. Men are bad. Men are this. Men are something else. They just bad-mouth their husbands. Every time you get around them, you start bad-mouthing your husband too. And then you're wondering why you don't have a good marriage. Maybe you need to redefine some of your relationships. Maybe some of you got a boyfriend and the boyfriend is constantly, every time you're with him, he's constantly trying to trying to get you to go to bed with him or trying to get you to move in with him and you know it's not right and he's telling you it's going to be okay because we're going to get married and it's all right anyway, but you know the scripture says that the marriage bed is to be kept pure and you know in your heart that it's not right, but you just keep being around him and maybe, maybe you need to redefine a relationship. In fact, maybe you even need to break up with that person who is tempting you to a sinful relationship relationship. Amen. Guys, maybe you got some friends that you hang around with them and every time you're around them, they're like, check out that hot girl over there. Or Maybe they're saying, hey, look, here's the new Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Just check it out. It's no big deal. It's just swimsuits. Just Hey, just take a look. And maybe you need to decide, hey, my eyes are for one woman and one woman only and the Bible says that I'm to keep my eyes and my mind and my heart pure and maybe I need to redefine some of these relationships. Maybe for some of you, maybe it's just that you get around someone and they have a bad attitude. And every time you get around them, your attitude gets bad too. Maybe you need to decide, hey, I will not allow anyone to, tem- to continually tempt me to sin. The Bible says a companion of fools suffers Harm. The Bible says that the way of the wicked leads us down a wrong path. We must redefine our inner circle of friendships. We must let our roots grow deeper so that our reach can grow broader. We will not allow anyone to distract us from God's purpose. We will not allow anyone to continually tempt us to sin. And then finally, number three, check this out. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Christ. But here's the truth is that there's a tension here, isn't there? Between man, I just need to just get rid of all bad people in my life And I'm called to love people. And lead them to relationship with Christ. See, the worst thing that could ever happen in a sermon like this today is that you could come in here and you could begin to think, well, I just need to get rid of everybody in my life that's not, that's not perfect, you know. And we could get this holier-than-thou kind of, let's polish our halo, and we're all, we're all good in our holy little huddle, and let's all turn inward towards one another and just get rid of all bad people in our lives. And that is not at all the message that I'm preaching here today. In fact, the Bible has called us clearly to love. When we, see, when we see Jesus, we look at his life. Jesus didn't unfriend sinners. In fact, he friended sinners. If he unfriended anybody, it was the religious people, right? And so we must decide that, hey, I'm not going to allow anyone in my life to distract me from God's plan. And I'm not going to allow anyone in my life to continually tempt me to sin. But I'm also not going to shut myself off from the rest of the world, from friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members who don't have relationship with Christ. Instead, what I will always do, no matter what, is I will love people with the unconditional love of God. Christ. In fact, I think it's time that, the st- that the, as church we stop judging people who are not Christians for the way they're living. Guess what? They're not Christians yet. We can't expect them to live like Christians. That doesn't mean that we accept everyone or everything that goes on in the world, but we love everyone. In fact, that's what Jesus was talking about in John 13 and verse 34. He says, A new commandment I give you, to what? To love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are, what? My disciples. How do they know that we're His disciples? By how many times we go to church, by how much money we give in the offering, by having perfect doctrine. No, no, no. How do they know that we are His disciples? By what? By our love. By our love for one another. And so there's a tension that we have to live with on a daily basis. We're going to love the world without becoming like the world. We're going to be in the world, but not of the world. We're going to go into the world and yet not become like the world. We're going to be the light of the world without letting the world extinguish our light. We're going to be a friend of sinners without letting the sin get in us. It's a delicate balance. And yet that's exactly how Jesus came into this world. In fact, it says in John 1, 17... That he came with what with grace and truth and that 's the key here this morning is that i'm going i 'm going to redefine my inner circle of relationships i 'm going to make sure that i 'm surrounding myself with the Four Or five friends that are building me up That are encouraging me That are leading me towards a deeper relationship With Christ that when I get around them I want to be more godly When I get around them I want to know Christ more When I get around them it just causes me To want to dig into his word And causes me to want to live his purposes In my life I'm going to surround myself with this inner circle Of friends so that my roots Can go deeper And when my roots go deeper Then my reach can be broadened Broader, and then I can begin to reach out to neighbors. I can begin to reach out to family members. I can begin to reach out to co-workers and people that I go to school with and people that are in my life around me with the love of Christ, with the unconditional love of Christ. Not with a look down my nose judgmental type of an attitude but with the strength of God in my life because I have a circle of people in my church and in my life group and in my life that I'm doing life with and I'm spending time with and they are encouraging me and they are lifting me up now my roots are deep down and so then when I, when I begin to pray for a neighbor or I begin to invite a neighbor to church or I begin to love on love on a family member that, that doesn't know Christ then I'm strong enough to be able to go those places and do those things and love those people without it bringing me down in my relationship with God so some of you this morning there's some relationships that you need to redefine. Maybe there's some people in your life who are just... Even well-meaning people. Even people that you love. Some people that are distracting you from God's real ultimate purpose and plan for your life. And maybe you just need to... Don't call them Satan. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you need to begin to redefine some of those relationships. Maybe others of you, you got some friends that are continually tempting you to sin and you find yourself doing things, saying things, going places that you, you don't want to do and you know it and you do it and then you feel shame and you feel guilt. and You go, why did I do that again? And it's very possible that it's the relationships, the friends in your life that are leading you that way. And every single one of us this morning need to recommit ourselves once again to loving people with the unconditional love of God that we would never We would never look down upon anyone that as a church, we're going to love people just as they are. And if you're a guest here this morning, I'm just telling you, we love you. And there is a family of people that love you just as they are. But the truth is, we love people enough to not just love you just like you are, but to tell you the truth and to help you to grow. And that's what it's all about. Amen.